Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop betting. There's plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag, including their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. You only need $10 to enter, but be sure to do so before March 19th. You can also bet on the NBA, the NHL, my personal favorite, NFL draft props, and so much more. Head on over to betonline.ag today and put your sports knowledge to the test. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert filling in for Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And we're going to have a little fun on the program today, gentlemen. We are doing our Fantasy Dynasty Rookie Top 12 Rankings And we in the pre-show have discussed how difficult of a task this actually is because we don't know where most of these guys are playing. We don't know where any of them are going to be playing next season, maybe outside of Trevor Lawrence. So trying to put these guys in an order and sticking to the order has been a challenge, but we're going to have some fun and do this here on the show. And this should be a a lot of fun for you, for those of you who are in dynasty leagues. We talk a lot of, you know, redraft leagues, one-year leagues. So to get into the dynasty weeds, I think will be a fun little experiment here on the show. First question I have to ask everybody. We want to go 12 to 1 in this order. We want to start at the back of the list and move all the way up to 1. Is, is that – we all good there? Sure. I guess. You're the, you're, you're the host. You make the choice. I know. I was, I'm just crowdsourcing if we want I to go in a different order. The only problem in life with the 12-1 thing is you lose the anticipation for the, the very best. But, Chris, we will, we will go – we will go however you would like us to go. Okay. So before we get into that, now, Jake, on, I only have 12 names on my list. Jamie, 12 names on your list? Correct. Okay. Jake, you said I got more than 12. I, had, I, I went over. So do you want to start with your honorable mentions, the, guy that didn't, the guys that didn't make the cut for you first, and then we can get into our 12 through one? I would because I'm the football guy, not the numbers guy. You know, and Jamie and I's official T-shirts handed out from Paige. I'm going to talk about three guys that I love. I don't care where they land. I think they could be dynasty stars for you. I think they could be redraft stars for you. I think they could be an immediate rookie impact guy. First one's Kylan Hill from Mississippi State running back. He ended up kind of opting out halfway through the year when they started sucking. This kid is going to be a third down monster for somebody. James White-ish, hands, catches it, dynamic playmaking ability. I think he makes an immediate impact. You think teams we've talked about, Tampa Bay, some of these teams that need that third down guy, immediate rookie impact, if he ends up in a good situation, man, he's one of my favorites coming out in the last couple of years in that specific kind of role. I think he can do more than that. really love him there. Uh, Diami Brown from, uh, from North Carolina, the, re- the receiver, just dynamic playmaker. I-, I think he's one of those guys that wherever he ends up, by the time you get the OTAs and training camp, the coaching staff goes, we got to get this dude the freaking ball in a bunch of different ways and get him in space and make some plays. And then the last one, I was shocked to see where 
how far down the list I had to go to find him. Chuba Hubbard, if he came out last year, he's a first-round pick. This kid has been unbelievable in the history of his career at Oklahoma State. Does everything. Three-down guy. You're talking about getting late. He is going to be a star for somebody. I don't know if he's going to start right away, but he's one of those guys that could fill in kind of last year with DeAndre Swift late in the season and take over a role. He does everything. He's a true three-down guy. Doesn't catch it quite as good as ETN. But he's right there. Like, I, don't, I can't imagine why you're going to get him that late. That's just three names to watch and look at that I think could be phenomenal for you later on. Because I think Chubba Hubbard's going to take over as a starter next year and have a phenomenal 10-year career as a running back. Three great names there, uh, Jake, to, to start us off. And, and I, I think getting into number 12 is where some disagreements are already going to be had. Jamie, I'll let you go first here on, on who you have at number 12, and then maybe we can. this will spawn into a larger conversation. Yeah, so before I set the, the world ablaze here, I agree with all the names that Jake said. Uh, I actually had Hubbard would be my 13th um, if, I, if we went that far. I think he's going to be a really interesting one to watch as the draft hype, as all that stuff starts to get a little bit more in the next two months to kind of see where he goes. And obviously landing spots going to play a huge factor in all of these. So these, these rankings are going to change significantly between now and May 1st when we know when, when all these guys are going. But uh, I'm going to start at number 12 here. And the parameters for this conversation are this is a – you're already playing in your dynasty league. This is a rookie-only draft for your league, and it is a single quarterback PPR. So this is not a super flex league, not a two QB league. And I preface that all by saying this. This is where I have Trevor Lawrence. He's the only QB on my list, and I have him at 12. And the reason why I have him here – is because for most teams in your league, he's not going to be able to provide you immediate value or even two- or three-year value over guys you have. Now, if you're in a dynasty league and you've been rolling with you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees, or you've been rolling with you – know, maybe you have Tom Brady and you're like, okay, I'm going to get a couple more really good years out of him, but then maybe at some point three years down the road, Lawrence can come in and give you that, that QB1 value. I think he's going to be in that conversation right around QB12 overall this year. But for the most part, in single QB leagues, that's not going to be immediately valuable to you. So unless you have aging quarterbacks, retiring quarterbacks, or something weird's happening, you have just terrible quarterback play on your team, in a single QB format, I can't take him any higher than this. In a super flex league, he's the top pick. If you're playing two QBs on a, on a weekly basis, you, you need to get these rookies in right away to keep that going because you need three starting quarterbacks essentially on your roster every single week. So single QB, I have him here at 12. Uh, I just... I, I can't, the value to me isn't high enough unless I'm in desperate need of quarterback to take him any higher than this. I can't argue with that. I mean, Jamie's the, I'm not the dynasty expert here. I love these guys. So I kind of ranked them as, as how much I like them depending on where they end up. Uh, I've got him a little bit higher than that. My number 12 is Kadarius Tony. This kid, I mean, if, if I've seen him mocked to, to Jacksonville, with Trevor Lawrence, which I would absolutely love, but I don't think it really matters where he ends up. He's another one of these guys that by the time you get done OTAs going in and training camp, coaches have already put like 15 more pages in the playbook going, these are his plays. We're getting him the ball. Let's get him in space. Let's reverse in the backfield, whatever it is. I think he's going to put up big numbers. I don't think he's going to be as hit or miss as a lot of people think from a week-to-week basis in fantasy. I think he's going to have a pretty decent floor. Uh, be kind of, kind of like last year with LaVishka Chenault. He's going to hand, they're going to hand the ball off a little bit here and there, get the ball in different ways, put up some decent yards. So I, I really like him. I have him at 12. 
I think it's really important to note here, guys, as we go through this list, because we're going to have a lot of the names. We might just have them in different orders. And I think a lot of that is going to come down to we don't know where these guys are going to be playing yet. We don't know what roles they're going to have. We can talk about the talent of all of these players, but we don't know where, you know, a Jamar Chase, a Devonta Smith end up and where they fit into the wide receiver depth charts, just to talk about those two guys in particular. So I think it's important to note that here uh, as we're kicking off this list. So, Jamie, you and I can battle already here because uh, at number 12 for me, I have a quarter quarterback that isn't Trevor Lawrence I have Justin Fields here starting my top 12 Uh, so I only have two quarterbacks in the top 12 I know that's going to be you know a bit of a shock uh, to have two quarterbacks in there but I think when you look at this for some for some Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be attainable right you're maybe not picking high enough up in in rookie league in in, you know in these rookie only drafts I'm in these dynasty leagues where name brand and name value shoots guys up boards and Trevor Lawrence is going to be taken after a lot of the big names go when we're talking at Najee Harris Travis Etienne Jalen Waddell those guys Justin Fields is a nice alternative to those guys can probably provide similar year one value because they're both going to probably play uh, year one and you don't have to, you know, take a top five pick and, and use it on uh, a Justin Fields. So I started my list with Justin Fields here at 12. Uh, we're going to get into this value discussion all throughout the show, but I went with two quarterbacks in the top 12 because I think both of these guys are talented. They're both going to start week one and they both can give you good value. Can I take this one first, James? Go for it. Boo. Not only are you going to get like week one starter, you're going to get week one through week 17 shit in year one. I'm not a big fan of the kid at all. I don't think he's a top 20 pick in most years. I think he's way overrated. I think wherever he ends up, he is going to massively struggle at times to put up decent value for you. I don't have him in my top 12. I don't really like him that much as a prospect, depending on which team you're talking about. He's going to be a very much a system dependent guy. And I get that he does both, all that kind of stuff. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it in a fantasy. I, I, he's like my fifth quarterback coming out this year. And there's going to be other guys, I think, that are starting week one. And this is where, like, for me, it goes back to the value conversation, where to me, at, at, I can't take him anywhere before, like, late in the second round of a rookie draft here. Um, I understand if you're a desperate quarterback situation, but I would rather you get one of these other players and try to work out a trade. I just think unless you're in a two QB league where you're desperate to know that they're just QB, any starter is rosterable and it's everything is at a premium. I just don't think you need to prioritize most of these guys. Like to me, like what's the best case? Even if you get the season, Justin Herbert had, you ain't getting you that. Still, you, you no, no yes. chance in the hell of getting that. But, but, but just, let's just say, but, but pretend you did. That's still a middle QB one tier in a single QB league. Like that's where something you have to talk about where like, Justin Herbert would obviously be awesome to have in a dynasty league, but in terms of a, if you're trying to be in a winning now window, there are a lot of guys that can give you even in that value. If you're only starting 12 a week in your entire league, there are plenty of guys that can give you that value. So this is where I can't take a quarterback here in a single QB league unless I'm absolutely desperate. I put myself in a really bad situation or I'm really loaded elsewhere and I made these moves and now I'm here or I've been riding with some of these veterans for a while and now I'm at the end of the road with these guys. Otherwise, I'm going to take one of the other skill position players. I will say I love that we got a hype train moment on the first pick of the freaking – I had to come out fire. Like, you that know, was, you know me. Had to come out fire. as hype train as hype train gets. You saw Ohio State, Justin Fields, somebody on TV said they love this kid, and you were like, I'm taking the name value and throwing it in there. That's now, hype train. Now, Jamie can attest to this. That's not the QB Chris wants. Though, I'm a Zach Wilson guy. I'm a Zach yeah. Wilson guy, but I think for fantasy – Justin Fields can probably give you more immediate value than Zach Wilson can. 
Not a chance in hell. If you're going to put a second quarterback in there, that's your guy. I almost didn't put a second quarterback in there, but then I did. And then Jamie told me where he had Trevor Lawrence and I knew we were going to get the podcast off to a very, very good start. Okay. So that's just one pick down. We got 11 more to go. Uh, Jake, who do you have at number 11 on your list? Terrence Marshall Jr. Very dependent on where he goes, but these kids are coming out more and more ready to play. Uh, I just think he's going to be a high floor guy. He's going to end up probably being a three to start the year and maybe a two wherever he ends up. I don't think he's Justin Jefferson, but I like the immediate impact he's going to have because he's very solid, well-rounded all the way around. Those guys, they're coming out ready to play against man-to-man. They can play against zone. I love the system that he was in for a couple years. Um, probably could have left him out of my top 12, to be honest with you, but I, I think he makes more of an immediate impact early, so I think he's worth taking. I agree. I actually have him at 10. So that's, that's, a, that's a spoiler there. Um, here's a, at 11 for me, Chris, is a guy that I'm, I think is going to has a good chance to rise. I really want to see where he lands because if he has a significant role, I think he could arguably be a top six option depending on his landing spot. And that's uh, Kenny Gainwell. Uh, I really like what he could do for fantasy. He, they're going to, I think teams are going to get really creative with how they use him. They're going to put him out in the slot. You can use him as a feature back. going to be a heavy pass catcher. And we're starting to talk about, especially early value, first couple years, the easiest way to get some of these guys on the field, particularly the non-ETNs, the non-Najee Harris's of the world, non-Javante Williams, is they're going to have to play a role on third downs for you. And in PPR leagues, we have seen how these even rotational backs can have these big impacts for you. And I think if he lands in a situation, whether he goes go somewhere where we, I know we've teased, we've joked before about like, hey, go to Tampa, as we throw everybody out there now. But go to Tampa, go be the third down back there, get that opportunity. That is where he could have a lot of success. I don't know, you know, I don't love him as much as some of the, obviously the other names we expect to get drafted above him in real life and in fantasy long-term, but I still think he's going to be able to provide you future RB2 value, and you might even get flex value right out of the gates in year one. I will join the wide receiver crew, but it is not Rashad Bateman for me. I have him a little bit higher. Uh, Rondell Moore, number 11 on my list. And, and this is a guy that I think would have been higher on my list if it wasn't for the injury concerns, right? I, he's going to probably be able to, to find a team and make an impact, but we just don't know what the injury concerns are there. It's a little bit up in the air because I think, and again, I think anywhere in this six through 11 category, guys, you can throw, put their names on a dartboard, throw a dart and, and wherever they, they, you want to put them, I think will work. But I put Rondell Moore at 11. The injury concerns make me a little bit lower on him than some of my other guys, uh, but probably can give you some really nice back-end wide receiver value. I'll start with, with the top 10. And at number 10, I went running back. And this is, a, this is a running back conversation that Jamie and I have offline. We have this argument about these two guys all the time. Javante Williams is my number 10 because I think if he goes to a spot where he is able to be the featured back, he is going to be able to thrive. And this is very situational based. It depends on where he goes. If he goes to a place that already has an established guy, he might not see the field on third downs. He might not see as much of the workload as you expect. But if he can find the right spot, he is going to be able to give you, I think, really solid RB2 value uh, each and every week. So I, listen. I'm all in on the UNC running backs because I want the Jets to take one of them at 34. I'll throw the bias out there, but I went Javante Williams here at, at 10 because Jamie has swayed me to put Michael Carter higher up on the list because of his pass catching ability. So wait, 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 wait. Not I have for year one, maybe right in dynasty. I do not have Michael Carter over Javante Williams for dynasty. Uh, when we were talking earlier in the mock draft, it was year one. Cause I do think Michael Carter has a clearer path to 
guaranteed third down time in year one, which could allow him to be on the field more often. But um, I actually have Williams higher than you, Chris, but I'll go with, uh, I already teased my number 10, Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, He doesn't have an elite trait, but he has very good traits across the board. And I think the benefit with him, and I think as we talk about what their long-term is, is there's a really good chance he is in this Green Bay, Kansas City, type of spot in the draft where he's going to go to a situation where he's may not be the number he's not going to be the number one may not even be the number two right out of the gates but he's going to be in a high volume passing offense for a good team that's going to be have success and I think he can be a guy that can step in and be that complimentary piece for one of those offenses right away and I think that's the biggest thing to me and the wide receivers here are going to be fascinating as we get through this list because landing spot matters as much, and as much as skill set. And I think some of these guys are going to land in very disadvantageous situations out of the gate and their talent's going to have, they're going to have some success because they're talented, but they're not going to be put in the best position they possibly could be to succeed with some of these guys, particularly not the, the consensus top three wide receivers in the draft. They're going to have opportunities to play, be join significantly better offenses right away. And you might be able to get immediate returns in year one and year two that match or are close to the high-end names. You reminds me of Van Jefferson, Jamie. If, if he ends up in one of those situations you're talking about, you're talking about well-rounded, does everything good. I love that one there. I also have Javonta Williams at 10. I freaking love this kid. I love everybody coming out of UNC this year. I love the kids that are staying. They have put some dynamic playmakers on that freaking team. So this kid's an absolute stud. He's going to be a beast. I think he's another one of these guys, just like we talked about all the running backs this year. By week seven or eight, he's taken over, and he ain't giving it back unless it's an injury. He's getting in earlier than that. And then I don't think he's giving it up for years to come. 220, solid as hell, pass blocks and the freaking picking up the blitz, does everything. Uh, I, I love it. I, I think he's an absolute stud. Let's go to number nine. Jamie, who do you have uh, making that first spot inside the top ten? We, we just talked about him a little bit, but that's Michael Carter for me. Uh, I, I, don't th- I don't have him as the same sort of long-term outlook as Javante Williams. Now, Michael Carter can run the ball effectively. I don't want, I don't want to make it seem like he is a third-down-only type of back. But we talk about where you, these rookies could play an immediate role right away, and especially when you're comparing the two UNC backs, Carter's a little bit more polished in the passing game. I think that's going to be a spot that gets him on the field earlier. Uh, but I, I think he's the guy we've talked about. You're taking running backs here that are probably RB2 upside. We haven't got to anybody yet that I think is a future top 10 running back yet. It's tough to predict that, as we know, and injuries and all of that. But I think Michael Carter is, is very well-rounded, re, excuse me, well-rounded, will be really solid as part of a true committee at some point where he's going to get uh, probably 60-40 in his favor, but he can do a lot of things really well. You have to start, we have to start looking at a lot of these guys as potential committee backs because this is how the league is going. It's continuing to push in this way. Who can carve out a playing time in the first few years? Because the reality is when you're taking these running backs, you have to understand that you're really betting on a five-year window. And if you get a lot more after that, you're awesome. But the way we're seeing all these turnovers, the way we're seeing even really, really good running backs leave and sign elsewhere in free agency to be part of committees, you really got to look at yourself in this five-year window. So the opportunity to play early on on third downs is going to be exciting. So that's why I have Michael Carter at number nine for me. Love it. It's hard to argue all that stuff. I got Trevor Lawrence at nine. He's the only, only quarterback I've got in the top 12. I almost didn't put a quarterback in the top 12. But I think he's – we all know he's going to Jacksonville. They're going to suck. They're going to be behind. They've already got weapons. I think he puts up really good numbers. He's the guy that I can see having that Justin Herbert rookie year or maybe even put up bigger numbers than that. Maybe not quite the touchdowns. Justin Herbert was on a touchdown tear there for a while. But, I mean, there's nothing not to love about this kid. I actually don't hate that situation. I like 
the combination, because I'm going to call them co-coordinators. I don't know what the hell they're actually doing. But Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel together, they're going to try to run it a little bit. But I think that's going to free him up to learn some NFL play action stuff. Uh, and then they're going to have to put him in the gun and let him sling it in the second half because they're going to be down. Uh, so I think he's going to put up big numbers for years to come. And he's the best prospect that's come out in a long time. I got a wide receiver at number nine. Rashad Bateman uh, checks in here for me. I think this is a guy that was a featured guy in that Minnesota offense. Maybe, maybe the hype of the four, you know, the sub four, four forty that we learned that he had over the weekend might be driving him up, up my board a little bit here at nine. But I, I think when you look at some of the other wide receivers that are going to be available, right? I, I can't put them over Waddle, Chase, Smith. Uh, but I think he settles right into this kind of area where he can be a featured guy in an offense. He's probably going to be a, a number two option for most of the offenses where he lands when you consider where he might get drafted in the actual NFL draft. And he's going to be able to give you solid production. Jamie, you talked about there not being you know, a top 10 running back here uh, in this kind of tier that we're talking. Rashad Bateman doesn't strike me as a top 15, top 20 wide receiver right away, but he can probably be anywhere from that 25 to 35 range here in year one uh, if he's in the right system, right? In the, in, the right, in the right fit, he has a lot of skill set that I think will allow him to do that. Me completely. He's my number eight. So I'm not that far off of you. Uh, I, I am going to be, I'm rolling on like the Rashad Bateman train here because I think we're talking about in, and again, I understand in dynasty, there's, there's a little bit of the immediate and there's, there's yes. a lot of the long term. but from an immediate standpoint, I do think there's a really good chance that the most productive rookie wide receivers are the guys we were just talking about Bateman and Marshall just in year one, just because of the situations they could possibly go into given where they are in the draft. Um, I like him a lot. I know he's not a slot-only guy, but I think that's where he'd have a lot of success. I love the speed we saw coming out of the Exos camp over the weekend from him because that was the one little bit of a knock. And even if that's off by, you know, 0.05, that's still better than where there was some fear. So even if there's plenty of room for that, for margin for error for that, uh, I think he could have a lot of success. I think he's a player that could have a, an impact right away as a complimentary piece for one of those good teams. Again, we talk about the Green Bays or the, or the Kansas Cities of the world that are late in the draft. Maybe as a replacement option somewhere. Uh, I, I really like him. Uh, I'm going to put him at eight there. I think he's, he doesn't have the ceiling of any of the wide receivers we're going to talk about coming up, but he's got a fairly high floor. So when, if you're sitting at this spot in the back half of the first round of your draft and all those, the, the game breakers, let's say, are off the board, uh, I think you're looking at a guy that could really develop into that you know, low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, weekly flex, no doubt, conversation for you down the road. I've got him at six. I'll spoil that one for you. I love this kid. My only knock on him is how much I love Tyler Johnson in the same offense when they were together and how much did that benefit both of them? Well, Tyler Johnson's now been a stud at times in the NFL, uh, but did the, I'll give you guys your baseball analogies. Jamie's wearing his Yankees hat today and you're both big baseball guys. He'll hit you. He'll hit 300. He's solid. And he can hit you 25 to 30 bombs. He's home run ish. He's not hitting you 50. He doesn't have quite the upside you guys are talking about, but he's going to hit some bombs and he has some home run hitting ability is why I've got him up at six. I think the kid's an absolute star. My, like I said, my only question is he wasn't playing with elite quarterback play, but it was pretty good. But when him and Tyler Johnson were on the field together, that, that damn offense was that that's two legit guys. And Tyler Johnson went in the fifth round. Last year's draft was so crazy. If this was a normal draft four or five years ago, he's top two or three receiver on the board. And he is in that top 15 getting picked. He's not, it's not going to be the case this year because it's so damn strong again. But this kid is, is well-rounded with home run and hitting-ish ish ability. 
Uh, Jake, who do you have clocking in at number eight? You spoiled your number six pick, but who do you have at number eight? on your Kyle list? Pitts. Ooh, that's too low for Ooh. me. Yeah, this is that's low for I'm me too. This will be Pitt fun. Street. Yeah, I am. These top five for me. I'm probably going to knock him because he's a receiver, not a tight end. I'm getting pissed off at the whole tight end position right now in the world of football that we're calling these guys that haven't blocked a soul in three years a tight end. But with Travis Kelsey lighting up the world, I think it, the only reason I have him this low is because it's dependent on I don't know what system he's playing in. I don't know what coach he's playing for. He ends up in the wrong place, and he's playing receiver, and he doesn't have his hand on the ground, and is putting his face in the mix a little bit. It's good. I think there's a little bit of a learning curve there. If he ends up in San Francisco somehow, uh, which is not going to happen, but say it did, man, I, I'm over the freaking moon with this kind of thing. The kid is an absolute star, but the transition from playing college tight end, which is not tight end, it's receiver on the line of scrimmage, and going to the NFL and playing the actual position of tight end minus about four places is really, really tough. That's, there's, there's a learning curve there. So that's the only reason I got him at eight, but this kid's talent, everything else is world-class. I, I love it. I have Michael Carter here at eight. We've already kind of touched on him because Jamie had him a little bit earlier. I think the pass catching ability here is what kind of is swaying me towards putting him in front of, of Javante Williams, especially in PPR formats. And listen, I, I think you could very easily flip these two guys like Jamie has. Jamie has Williams in, in front of Carter and you could convince me and, and I could, you know, you could catch me on a day where I'm like, yes, I agree with you. I think the pass catching ability gives me a little bit of an edge there uh, to Michael Carter, but we kind of already talked about him. So I don't want to get too I, much. I will touch here. on him. I don't uh, have Jay him in my top 12. Okay. I don't have Michael Carter in my top 12. I think he can make a year one impact. I think he's a guy that can get lost in the mix in years three, four. I don't know that he has the ability to be a true two, depending on where he is in a rotational thing and not just be a third down guy that could get lost in the mix. So I don't have him in my top 12. Jamie, who is on number seven? Ready on for me your to piss list? everybody off? Oh boy, who Dr. do you have at number seven? That's where I have him. I have Devonta Smith at seven too. So you and me together, friends. And it's just in my only look, he's so he's so freaking good. But players that of his size and stature have zero track record of succeeding in the NFL. It's he could be the exception. It happens. Somebody has to be an exception to all all the trends at some point. But my concern is it, he's so slight. Look, he's so explosive. Like I, I still have him at seven. So we're, we're you know I don't I don't want to knock him too much but to me just his size the way that corners are easily able to reroute him out of bounds on a lot of routes will he be able to stay healthy with that frame we just haven't seen a player of that size have a ton of production over any significant period of time it just hasn't happened so the question is do you believe he's the anomaly and are you willing to bet for most people probably a top five pick for dynasty redraft uh not dynasty, uh, dynasty rookie draft i should say on him i'm not I, I can see where the ceiling is. I can see him being the, the, this uber playmaker, mega explosive, uh, you know, one of those players, you know, not the same style, but in terms of like how Tyreek Hill puts up points down the road where you just have these games where he can put you up 50 on one week and, and 30 on these weeks. But I also think the downside is a guy that's playing 10, 11 games a year, has a few of those home run games, but doesn't really have any consistent production. I'm a little worried. Like to me, I would, if he falls to me at seven, I'd be happy to take him there. I think at that point I'd be worthy of making that risk, but I would be worried spending one of these very, very top picks in your rookie draft on Devonta Smith. And, and I'd be happy to eat my words. I hope he's as explosive in the NFL or even 75% as explosive as he was in college. Cause he is one of the most enjoyable players to watch. I just, 
am concerned about his ability to hold up and his ability to go up against more physical corners in the NFL, more grown men in the NFL. I, again, I understand SEC corners are good. They're not NFL corners, especially if they start pressing them a lot. They are. They're just not there yet. Yeah. I'm going to give you – I'm going to buy it a little bit more than that. I'm going to put him at four. And I'll ruin my four. But since we're talking about him, I think it's worth talking about him now, their hype. Uh, I'm going to give you the player that he reminds me of, but I think he's better and more explosive. T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton catches the ball and falls down. T.Y. Hilton does not get tackled. T.Y. Hilton will catch it, run after it, and then slide. T.Y. Hilton will get out of bounds. Same sleight of frame kind of guy, and Devontae's even smaller than that. But you go back and look where he played. If you're not on the field and practice at Alabama, you don't play on Saturday. They played 10 SEC games. They played the SEC championship game. They played the semifinal game. And then the national championship game against the best college football has to offer. He played through injuries. He played through everything. He was on the field. And I go back to one of my most trusted freaking sources and allies and all the football I learned as much from as anybody is Joe Pendry, who was the offense coordinator for the NFL, NFL for a long time and one of Nick Saban's guys. He told me and my dad uh, like four years ago, the best one is not even on the field yet. And that was before he caught them at the touchdown to win the national championship. There are certain guys that I hate. This is where I hate the combine process, right? Because he's going to get killed for that size and he should. But if you go put on a tape, nobody's stopping him. Now they throw the bubble screen, they get in his hands. He's great run after the catch, but he's also great running guy, pass guys. I, I think he is that anomaly ish. Now he could, that little frame in the NFL will bite him, and it's 16 games. But I just know coming out of that system, the injuries those guys have to practice with week in and week out, they already have an NFL mentality. Uh, I moved him up, and I, I believe. I just, he just put up too much production at the, the top, top level you have in college football. It's the only reason I'd jump on the other side and argue that for him. But I, I like what you have him, too. I mean, I, it's risky where I have him. And, 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 Jamie, I'll add to that because I agree with you. I have Smith at seven as well. And it's because I played this game of looking at the guys I put in front of him. And I say, value wise, would I rather have, you know, Kyle Pitts or Devonta Smith? Would I rather have Travis Etienne or Devonta Smith? And because I played that game with all of the risks that we just kind of outlined, it, it was really hard for me to put him a lot higher. Uh, I'll argue him against Pitts because I will say, I think Devonta Smith is probably less system and placement dependent on putting up production for a 10-year career than a lot of these guys because he could I think he could truly play two maybe all three wide receiver positions and I think he can do it quickly and I think that gives him a huge advantage to go in being picked anywhere and putting up putting up solid numbers all right let's get through these last six here I'll have to do a little bit of a rapid fire job here Jake number six for you Rondell Moore we've already talked about him love him Jamie. I have Javante Williams. Uh, I think he has the best chance to be, of the guys we haven't talked about yet, or the guys we've talked about so far, I should say, of being a featured back, uh, having a long-term role as a three-down guy. Uh, I, love the, I love the physicality he runs with. I think he could have a lot of success. So uh, he's at six. He's my third running back. This is the pitfalls of having Trevor Lawrence as high on my board as I do. Jamar Chase is here at six. So we'll, we can get into Jamar Chase because I think you guys will have him probably a little bit higher than I do. Uh, we can, yeah, we can kind of save that conversation uh, for a little bit. Uh, that's, I have Jamar Chase at six. Number five, Jake. I have Kyle Pitts at five. And I think to me, part of this goes into the positional value of that spot. Tight ends open for the taking right now. They're, the potential for Kyle Pitts to ascend into top four tight end territory very quickly is high because there's not a lot of competition. We know who it's going to be. It's, it's Kelsey, it's Waller, it's Kittle, and then there's really nobody else that is guaranteed to be there uh, at that four spot. So to me, if the, 
my top two wide receivers are off the board at that point. My top two running backs were off the board at that point. That's where I start to consider Pitts because the potential that you don't have a good tight end on your team and the potential that he's basically going to be used as a wide receiver and put up wide receiver two numbers as your tight end one uh, is intriguing to me. Uh, I would love to see where he ends up going. I think there are a few teams that he could end up being a more impactful pass catcher right away. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he gets used. And does he go to a team that, want, you know, if does he go to a team where he can be, for lack of a better phrase, the usage-wise, where he can be Mark Andrews? Is he a two? Can he go like somewhere where spot, he can? Jamie, the more you're talking, the more I'm going, God, him with Mark Andrews together. We, we said they need like an all-around tight end, but say they went all in on pass-catching tight ends. Yeah, and moved up. How I would, do you freaking defend that? You don't, but I just, I, 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 I would love it. I would love if the Ravens can move up to get him. I just, I think that that would not kill his value a little bit, but I would love to see that. And the more you're talking about it. it, I love your analysis here of that's why you would take him this high in a fantasy draft and why I secede my any fantasy questions yeah. from my boy Jamie. Okay. And I will say that he is way more of the expert here than I am, especially when it comes to this. I, I like that. I like that analysis. You, you swayed me on putting him a little higher. Because that's where that's kind of where I sat and thought because I didn't know where I would put him, but just the fact as we talked about this even during my mock drafts we were breaking down, when you start to get similar value from a wide receiver standpoint at the tight end position, it becomes incredibly yeah. intriguing. And again, if you don't have one of those players, if you don't have Waller or Kittle or Kelsey, you should be open to this. Like you should be very open to considering him at pick five or pick six, wherever he's going to end up landing for you. Cause I think you can get him around here. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee him going top four in most, uh, in most rookie drafts. So Waller's I think this the is top here too, consider. right? And where did Waller start? Yeah. Baltimore. Baltimore. I have Kyle Pitts at five as well. Uh, I echo everything that Jamie just said. I don't think the value here uh, is through the moon. So uh, Kyle Pitts at five for me Four. Jake, we'll start with you. I'm still on five. Oh, that's right, because Jamie's Najee Harris. Yeah, sorry, Jamie ran in. Chris doesn't do math well. That's fine. That's fine. I've got Najee Harris at five, which is too low. I freaking love this kid. And I'm trying to put out in the universe now that people forget how freaking awesome he is, and they start talking about how he's not a home run hitter, which is absolute garbage for our girl Paige, who's not here with us today. Uh, Throw her word out there. He's a freaking stud. I just hope he falls to 32 and he goes to the Buccaneers. It's like the fifth guy we've already put on this list to the Buccaneers. But he does everything. He I stayed, don't... and he put up a ton of production. He's going to do everything. I think he's a three-down star, and I freaking love him. I probably should have had him higher than this. I think someone gets him sooner than that, but I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that, happen, that that scenario happens. Like, I, I really think – I'm not sold that two running backs are going around one. I'm not sold on that yet. Yeah. So, we'll see. All right, Jake, do you want to give number four now, too, since I jumped I've got Devontae Smith at four. We talked okay. about Yeah. Okay, it's four. Jamie? Uh, so this is what kind of have your conversation, Chris. I swear I have Jamar Chase. Uh, I have him as my wide receiver, Ooh. too, here. I think it's very razor thin. Not that far off. I'm two spots away from you. And this is what happens. I have Trevor Lawrence at four, and this is what it did to my heart. My only concern with Chase, and it has nothing really to do with Jamar Chase. It has to do with, do you go to Detroit? with Goff, and then we don't know what the quarterback situation looks like a few years from now. Do you go to Philadelphia where I need to see more from Jalen Hurts before I say I feel comfortable with him being a wide receiver one in that offense? That's my only concern is that you're looking at potentially disadvantageous quarterback situations out of the gate, that there isn't a clear, you know, how many years is it going to be? Maybe Hurts is the guy. Goff's not going to be the guy. Goff's going to be the guy for right now. Uh, but, but then you're going to go like two years of Goff, rookie quarterback, 
how long is it going to be until you get that production? So I think there's a chance that Waddle, or excuse me, that Jamar Chase can be really freaking good, but he can't really crack into that like top 12 wide receiver mark just because of the pieces around him. Uh, so that would be my only concern because I think there's a very strong chance, it's not exactly going out on a limb here, that he's the first receiver taken in the draft, which is going to put him in that Philadelphia, uh, you know, Detroit kind of conversation. It's a great point. That scares me where that he can end up. And I, I have to project a little bit for these rankings. And that's what I'm going of like, if you told me Jamar Chase was going to the same teams where like Terrence Marshall uh, and Rashad Bateman would be going, he'd be number one on this list overall, but he's not, he's not. So I have to kind of consider that it might be two, three, four, five years till he has a top 15 quarterback in the league, maybe longer. It's just something I have to keep in mind. This is where I have Trevor Lawrence. I, I feel like as we've been doing this thought exercise, I've regretted my decision to put Trevor Lawrence at four, but I'm not going to change my list on the fly. I will keep him at four. I think if you're looking to find – listen, if you're picking up at this spot of, of the draft in the top, inside the top five, your team's probably not very good as it is, right? You, you, you need to kind of rebuild in some spots, and quarterback is obviously one of those spots that you try to find a franchise piece around to give yourself a window. Trevor Lawrence is going to be that guy. You know he's starting week one. Jake, to your point, they're probably going to be down in a lot of games, so they're going to let him sling it. And I think fantasy-wise, year one, he can give you a lot of points. And as he continues to develop, he is going to be in that quarterback one conversation. So I'm, I'm comfortable with him on the list yeah, for too high. maybe I, I went a little hype train. I went a little hype train here. And I, I love that you admitted you went hype train. That's uh, awesome. He knows. He knows. But if you're in a super flex league, he's the number one pick. Like if you're in a two multi-quarterback league, whatever it's two the standard two QB or super flex, he, he moves he's up the, the board a little pick. bit. You, okay. Even if you already have your two or three guys, the trade value for quarterbacks in that league and those types of formats are through the roof and you make that move. But in single QB leagues, you probably have a better quarterback for the next couple of years on your roster just because you don't have to play many of them. Number three on the list, Jamie, who do you have as your first player inside? Uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I just, I love his big playability. I love how explosive he's going to be. Uh, he, again, he can fall into the same conversation we had with Chase a little bit, depending on how high he goes, like is, or if he goes to, let's say New York, where I've seen him a lot of like that quarterback situation ain't much better either. So it's, to me, I just think his, his, his ceiling is so high where I think Chase has by far the highest floor of any of these rookie receivers for fantasy. I think Waddle's got a little bit higher ceiling. I think his explosive playability is going to be out of this world. And I think especially at a position that is so deep, the separator is while you give good persistent production, do you spike enough times to be a matchup winner for certain weeks? And I think Jalen Waddle has that opportunity. It's razor thin between him and Chase for me. Uh, but I think there's a, I'm going to give it slightly to Waddle here. I think he could be in a little bit better situation, but I'm not going to fault you if you, if you flip flop those guys at all. I love Waddle. I'll talk about him again in a minute. He kind of reminds me of like a more well-rounded rugs who you and I both had going to the Raiders last year early block yeah. before, before a lot of other, other people. And that wasn't a good situation for rugs. They didn't, they didn't really use him. So I, I can see that, but this kid has the most home run hitting ability in this entire draft. I got Travis Etienne at three. You could have put him one. You could have put him two. You could have put him three. I don't know that you could go any lower than that. The kid is an absolute monster. Came back to school and really developed his third down. Not only pass catching ability, but picking up the blitz, just being a more well-rounded guy. The numbers are off the charts of what he did in college. He's a three-down superstar, but he's a home run hitter. And that's when you start getting these, these top three. 
I want a guy, if I'm in dynasty, that's going to be a home run hitter that has that Aaron Jones ability to take it to the house and go from like a 10 point day to a 24 point day for you. I think the floor is pretty high as well, but I love the upside of the home run hitting ability. And I love that he developed, developed his hands a little bit. And that now that I know that he can play third down in the NFL, I got him this high. I think at this point of this of this conversation, you are splitting hairs with the top three. Yeah. And in any order, I think it's acceptable to discuss the three guys that we're discussing here. I'm with Jamie. I have Jalen Waddell at three. Um, I just love the two top running backs in this class. I think they are big impact players right away. But the big playability of Jalen Waddell has him as my wide receiver one. And that's why I have him number three on this list. So, Jake, you put Travis Etienne here, which means – I believe Jalen Waddle is going to come off the board here at two, if I can guess correctly. Jalen Waddle's coming off the board at two, and I, I only have him higher than Devontae Smith because of the stuff we talked about with Devontae Smith's frame. He wasn't the best receiver on that team. He was the fourth best receiver of the year before on that team, and I think Devontae Smith was still the best receiver of the year before on that team. Uh, we're talking about four super like, – look at the guys Tua played with, by the way, when we go back and evaluate Tua. That, that team was – ridiculously loaded with superstars everywhere home run you have waddle and rugs on the field together how do you stop that with jerry judy and Devonte smith as the other two guys that's like that's just insanity to me uh he's more well-rounded than rugs he catches it better has the same big play home run hitting ability uh i think he has monster games his rookie year i think he's got games where he has one for eight but i think he has some monster monster games he's the tyree kill to me in this draft so, Jamie, here you and I sit. We have the same two players available to us for, for picks two and one. Will we be in agreement? We very rarely agree on anything. I will let you go first. The number two player on your Dynasty Rookie Top 12 list is? Travis Etienne. Man, we agree. We agree on this one. So, I, I wanted to – I really opened my mind to not going running back, running back at the top here. Just because we talked about it on the show, we've seen now that receivers can make bigger impacts right away. But I just to me, for all the – I mean, Jake highlighted extremely well. Travis Etienne has proved he can be a true three-down back in the NFL, which is something we weren't quite sure of this time a year ago when he decided to go back. To me, a team that's going to invest in either one of these top two guys is going to invest either a first-round pick or a top – you know, the first hour of day two. They're going to invest a lot in them. They're going to get a lot of opportunity. These guys don't have to leave the field. Uh, I, ETN is, I think, slightly more explosive than Najee Harris. But I also think he's, for lack of a better phrase, too reliant on being explosive. And I think sometimes that, that hurts him, where he's always looking to hit the home run and will miss the Najee singles Harris and doubles in front of him. Four or five yards and yes. go down, and be, but he'll truck a dude to get there. I, I, that's a good, good analogy. Like if we, we'll keep those baseball references flowing. Like yeah. I, I think Najee Harris will hit those singles and doubles and hit the, and still hit plenty of home runs where Travis Etienne is that like, I'm going to, is like home run or strikeout and, and not quite to that extent, but it's more that's a of, great he point will, though. He'll take he'll an outside opportunity. fastball and hit a single to right field and be happy about it. Yeah. Or, or you know what? Miss that let's, or foul it off and be waiting for a better pitch. Let's keep going even more with these like baseball analogies, Chris. He's the guy that hits the ball deep into the outfield, is staring at the home run ball, but it just hits the top of the wall, but he ends up at first and not second base. And that's what that's this is. That's even here. better now. Najee Harris will hit those doubles where Travis Etienne wants those home runs so He's badly. He's on that, first base. But then sometimes he will miss out on all those opportunities. Yep. Again, we are splitting hairs. We talk about the elite rookies that are coming in. I think both these guys are going to be great. 
But for me, if I have to differentiate between the two, I think Najee Harris's floor is significantly higher than ETN's, and they have similar ceilings. And to me, that floor is so important. If I'm going to invest my top pick, in, in, if, I, if I am fortunate enough either through my team was terrible or I made some advantageous trades to have the number one pick in my dynasty, in my dynasty league for a rookie draft, I got to go with a player that I think will be has the best chance to be on my team five years from now. Mm-hmm. And I think Najee Harris gives you that floor that ETN doesn't quite have yet, even if both can be RB1s in the future. Jake, you're number two on the list. Uh, who is my number two on the list? Waddle was my number two on the okay, list. I'm okay, on my okay. number one. Yeah. Oh, you're on your number one. Okay. I have ETN as well. I'm not going to say the same things that Jamie said, just rephrase them differently. I will allow Jamie to speak for us uh, because we're a team in this endeavor. Uh, Travis ETN. Uh, pick number two. So you're you number to piss one. everybody off then? Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. I got to be honest with you. You said a lot of names, and I don't know who's left for you at number one. I'm Jamar Chase because I, have, I am convinced he's going to the Bengals, and he's playing with Joe Burrow. And we That's forgot funny. with recency bias how freaking unbelievable that season was. The greatest season we've ever seen in college football from a duo. How good was Justin Jefferson last year? He was amazing. He's 85% of Jamar Chase. He wasn't the best receiver on that LSU team, and it wasn't even close. Jamar Chase was. If he ends up in the right situation, which would be with Joe Burrow, now that's a reach for them, but they're the Bengals. Is it that crazy to think they might do this? No. If he ends up with Joe Burrow, he's putting up numbers in week one through week 17 for 12 years, and I love it. Off the line of scrimmage, you can't stop him. He has the nuance of picking out the zone. He's well-rounded. We just forgot because he didn't play this year. There is part of this, especially with Shy Bateman, too. These guys that opted out and didn't play, and you didn't watch them play this weird season, and we're not going to see him at the combine. We're not going to see him run. We're not going to see him catch passes. Then we forget how unfreaking believable he was as a player. I couldn't get past it. I went, you know what? I see him going to Cincinnati. I can see them making that. And if that's the case, it's Jerry Rice and freaking Joe Montana, like new version. I, I absolutely love this kid. I love them together because I love Joe Burrow. You've heard who Jamie and I have at number one because it's Najee Harris. Is that passion enough, by the way? I, it was. I felt it like was, I had to bring the passion for to put it, him in one. It I, te- like I had to bring it. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. It teetered on hype trainness. It really right. did. It, you kind of flirted with right. it a little bit there at the end. But I'm in. I, I listen. I, listen. That's fine with me. So uh, Najee Harris, number one uh, for Jamie and I. So there you have it. Our our top twelve list. But that's listen. Well, there's more content coming when it comes to these rookies because I will tease it here at the end of the show before you guys get out your social handles and where everybody can follow you on Twitter. Uh, Wednesday's episode, we are going to discuss veteran keepers that you would trade in order to get some of these top guys that we talked about here today. So some of the capital that you might be interested in moving to put yourself in a position to land some of these guys. So very dynasty themed week here on the show. So those dynasty listeners out there this week uh, is for you, Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social as we get out of here on a Monday? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and my newly restarted Instagram account, Eisner fantasy. On Instagram, I saw it pop up the other day. Yeah, gonna have a lot of plus for Jamie. Very nice. I'm gonna dabble into it because I don't want to use like my personal account for stuff because nobody wants to see like the normal stuff that of my life. But no one, uh, no one needs to see your Yankees content. No, Uh, but Eisner Fantasy. I'm gonna have a lot of graphics, a lot of conversation stuff on there. So go, uh, go give that a follow up on uh, on Instagram. For you, Jake B Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Like we said, a very dynasty-themed week. So if you enjoyed this, there's more of it coming for you on Wednesday. We talk veteran keepers that you would trade to get the guys we talked about here today. Everybody have a great start to your week. We will talk to you on Wednesday.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.